The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. So, have you ever pretty much done everything right and then had it all go south and sideways and turn out wrong? Anybody here ever had that happen? You did it? Okay, you weren't perfect. Nobody's perfect here, but we did, kind of did it right. Uh, you, you think about that, you know, I know people like, like health things, like you hear the crazy stories, those of you that are all into health and fitness and all that do everything right, and you see somebody who just eats fast food, smokes, drinks, does the whole stupid crazy thing. You, somebody you know is super healthy, they, whatever, at 50, 60 years old, other guys around till 90, 95, 100 years old and go, how, how is that fair? If you've ever um, had the privilege of being the parent that you kind of did it right, with your kids, right? I mean, you weren't a perfect parent. And then you saw other parents and go, they're a disaster of, of, of parenting and human beings. And their kids turn out great. And your kids are like, okay, no, we aren't perfect. But come on, what the heck is going on here? If you've ever been in a place like that, you're going to get great encouragement, equipping tools in your tool to help you deal with that. And, and then here's what I want to tell you too. If, if you're not there yet, it's coming. It's coming for you. You're going to go, this doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. It's coming for you. And then maybe today, maybe today here's the deal for you. Maybe today is not about you or even for you. Because maybe today what you're going to get is the ability, some tools in your tool belt to help you help other people that are going through stuff where they, they're freaking out and life isn't going fair and what happened here. So it may not be about you today. It may be for you to help somebody else with. That's one of the key things I love to do all the time here is not just, not just help you. I hope it's helpful to you. But if it's not helpful to you specifically, maybe it's going to be something you're going to be able to use. Because all throughout our community, gosh, there's all kinds of people that are struggling and wondering, what the, you'll see that's the first item on the note today. What the what is going on here? Find, if you had a Bible... Find the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the seats, under the seats around you. Uh, just find our Wi-Fi, Crosspoint Guest. It just puts you automatically there. And then just Google uh, Acts 4 in the New Living Translation or NLT or whichever one that you prefer. But I want you guys using your own Bibles. Most of the verses will not be up here on the screen because that screen's not going to be with you when you all of a sudden need the help. I want you to be in your stuff for yourself. Acts chapter 4, find verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And all of a sudden you're going, okay, I feel like I walked into the middle of a movie. Freed? What's happening here? For those of you who haven't been here, who have missed church for a bit, uh, been on vacation, because now we can do that again in California, um, Jesus had told them, what I'm going to start here is going to go here, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It's going to go everywhere. He says, and the Spirit is going to come on you in dramatic ways. It's going to be beautiful, amazing. Wait for the Spirit. The Spirit comes at Pentecost. In one day, in one day, 3,000 heads of household, probably 12 to 15,000 people become Christians, become followers of Jesus. And then they go into the temple one day, Peter and John do, just doing normal Jewish cultural stuff. And there's a guy who's been crippled there for 40 years. They heal him 
under the authority and the power of Jesus. And that creates a ruckus in the temple because everybody would have seen this guy. For 40 years, they would have seen this guy. This guy's going crazy. Mayhem in the temple. And the people ask, what's going on here? And they explain to the people, this guy was saved and delivered because of the authority and the power of Jesus of Nazareth. Well, all of a sudden, that day, 2,000 more heads of household become Christians, followers of Christ. Probably 20,000 people are now Christians following Christ, households doing that, from about 100 people when Jesus ascended back up to heaven. So the authorities are catching wind of this. They send security detail, soldiers, uh, the, the leading authorities, and they gather these guys before the Sanhedrin. This would be kind of like a militarized Supreme Court. It's, not, it's a certain illegal proceeding, but, but when there's guys there holding Uzis and shotguns and all kinds of stuff going, and they basically tell them, you knock this off or we will knock you off. And so they report that back to them. And this is kind of crazy because they were drug into court for healing a guy. Like, what do we do wrong here? And then Jesus had told them, this church I'm going to start, is going to go here, there, everywhere, and not even the gates of hell will be able to withstand the onslaught of what the kingdom of God's going to go back and take back territory that has been far too long surrendered to the enemy. Uh, and he tells them, and the Spirit's going to come on you. When the Spirit comes on you, man, it's going to be powerful and beautiful and amazing. And so their first altercation with the legal authorities doesn't go so well because they get threatened. And it's one thing to go like, you know, if you threaten somebody, I threaten somebody, it's like, yeah, what are you going to do? When dudes with guns and spears and all that kind of stuff threaten you, it's like, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem right. This, this is not how Jesus really said it was going to go. We did everything right here, and all the evidence was on our side because they had the dude that had been healed right there with them in court going, exhibit number one, boom, this guy was healed. Exhibit number two, you would think, okay, maybe these religious leaders are going to go, okay, we're, we're on the, the, the diffusion of innovation curve. We're late adopters. So, but they've seen this now. They've seen a guy healed. They've seen the power of the Spirit come. There's, you know, 5,000 heads of household, 5,000 families in our following Christ. Maybe they're going to see this and get in on this now. And instead, they threaten, intimidate, and threaten force. And uh, when you're doing this right and it goes badly, it's the, 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 the reaction will be f fear, frustration, confusion. In the workplace, when you've done things right, and somebody else gets the credit for it, or you end up getting let go when the furlough things happen. You go, how? You've, like I was talked about, with your parents, those of you with your kids. Kids with your parents. I know some of your parents. <laughs> you think, I didn't do anything wrong. How come I keep bearing the consequences of what the stupid decisions somebody else did? I'm doing, I'm doing this kind of right here. I even felt this this last year, and these are first world church problems, so do I, this is not, oh, poor me, I'm not doing therapy with you today at all. But if you guys noticed, this last year and a half has been a little weird here in America. And when this all happened, we as a church and leadership team decided, not out of fear of Governor Newsom or the CDC or anybody other initialed governmental entities, we decided, look, the, the scriptures seem to say, let's submit to the governing authorities, do what they say, we have to shut things down, go online. And man, I was perplexed and flabbergasted at the reaction we got. Not from any of you, but from some folks that I, I just was, I, I, 
I thought, this seems just so odd and so weird to me. And the truth is, other churches did different things. They did more like the line of civil disobedience. I'm not here to try to compare and contrast, say we were better, they were worse, any of that. It just felt like, look, we weren't doing this out of fear. We really don't, because we love people, love our community. You have to say, let's make sure that we're doing the best we can to kind of squash this thing out. And whatever your opinions on that are, I don't care today. I really don't. Um, I, we got shot at from both sides on this thing about how come you're doing this and how come you're not doing that and it, it, it just craziness that went on here. And there are a few times I kind of said some bad words to God in prayer, if I can be honest, about some of you that are no longer with us. It was just so, it was, it was flabbergasted. I could, I, it didn't make sense to me because God, we're not doing anything wrong here. We're not walking in a lack of... We got called out by other Christian leaders and stuff from time to time about, yeah, you guys are doing that. There's no, you're just responding in fear. Where's your faith? Where's your confidence in God and all that stuff? I just thought, so done with the therapy now this morning with you. I'm just telling you, that was a bit of what happened this year. And some of you felt that in the workplace with in in different situations like, like, I haven't done anything wrong here. In fact, I'm doing out of my way to do things right. And we're paying the price of this. What the is going on here? Uh, and, and they're confused by this. They come back and report what happened. Here's the spoiler alert for them. It's not going to get better anytime soon. This is just round one. Just keep reading the book of Acts. It goes really south, and it doesn't even take us like a chapter. To, to now there are people getting beat up, thrown in prison, and we get to chapter 7, and Saul uh, oversees the execution of one of the Christian leaders, take him outside the gates and stone him to death. Ooh, that's bad. Spoiler alert for you. If you're going through some bad stuff today, guess what? It's probably going to get worse. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? Yeah. See, I, I, we, we're not going to hype you up and go, you know what? Better days are ahead. And I pray that better days are ahead. I pray that we turn the corner and things are come back strong. I pray for that. Like crazy, I pray for that. But I don't want to give you any sense of this crazy, we've blended pop psychology and the Bible together to say, if you just trust God, everything turns out great. You know what turns out great? When you're dead. When you're in the next life with Jesus, in, in, in the next life, in the, in the presence of God, that's where it turns out great. In this life, tie a knot and hang on. It might get worse. It might get worse. So here's what happens here. That's just one verse. I'm already sweating. When they heard the report of all the, the report, all the believers lifted their voices together and went to Instagram and social media to post about this. No, they all lifted their voices together, went to the streets to protest and shut down businesses to protest the injustice. Oh, no, they lifted their voices together to recall news, uh, the Sanhedrin. Hmm. No. Their first reaction, lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Oh, sovereign Lord. Stop here for a second. Sorry, I can't help it. Back in the early church, they had no political power. There was no populist. They were not a Christian nation. They were under the authority of Rome and Jewish culture and religion and spirituality. So they couldn't have any protest. There was nothing they could do. So all they could do was pray. And we look at them and go, oh, that's too bad. We have it so much better now because now we have, we have the power. And the truth is when we have the power of populism and political pressure that we can bring to bear, you know what we get? 
little short-term victories. We do not have the power to do what they did and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to advance the cause of Christ. By the time the book of Acts gets over 30 years later, the gospel has gone all the way to Rome when it was being threatened and crushed and to be opposed and wiped out. Might be something to think about the next time you're freaking out about stuff going on in your life. Instead of posting or protesting or all the other ings that we're doing right now, what if we just said my first resort is going to be prayer, not my last one? Because I know what has happened for me and for us, especially this last year with all the pressure was on. We went to all those other things first. Oh, and now let's pray about it too. What if we went to prayer first and just cried out to God? In prayer to God, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In your own Bibles there, if you have a pen or pencil there or just want to make a note there on your digital thing here, Messiah just means anointed one. Anointed one, Messiah, that's going to be important here in a second. I'm just having you point that out, get that right now. In fact, this happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor. The Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. In the margin of your Bible or your mobile device, write down the word either foreknowledge or predestination. We're going to get to all those fancy theological words today for a second. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great, get this, highlight, circle this, boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing. Next one here, power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and God answered their prayer. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And and don't miss this for a second here. Their circumstances have not changed one bit. The authorities didn't come to go, oh, you know, we probably overstepped our bounds here. Please don't threaten us. Please don't sue us. Please, no, no circumstances have changed. And that they respond with boldness there. I wonder, when it comes time, when we face situations like this in our life, uh, and we lift our voices in prayer, you would expect a guy at a church who's giving a message today to tell us that probably the first thing you should do would be to pray. Even if you're not a Christian today, if you're new to this stuff and all that, prayer is a good idea. You expect to hear that at church. When, When circumstances aren't going well for you with your kids, your finances, your health, whatever it might be, when that happens and you call out to God, how do you pray? How do I pray when we face injustice and adversity? I call them excedrin migraine prayers. I want relief and I want it now. If you've ever taken excedrin migraine relief, that stuff is crazy. You won't sleep that night, but it's amazing. <laughs> as far as taking care of pains from you going, I'm glad I got that. I'm glad I came to church today. Um, and we're going to see here maybe a whole different pattern and perspective when it comes to how we freak out with God when all hell is breaking loose in our life and we can't figure out why this is happening to me. I want to encourage you uh, today. We, they talked about it 
uh, Crystal and Bob did up on the video you just watched here with what's going on this third Thursday. We gather, we, this is probably, I think, the fifth month. Take, take the Thursday, and we're just going to pray and fast. And some of that fasting will be from food. Sometimes it's from social media or from entertainment. And take one of those time slots, 9, 1, and 5. And you'll get texts and emails from us about it this week. But what prayer and fasting is all about is saying, God, we are so desperate for you that the normal things that we ordinarily do in our life, simple things we do just to make us go, Netflix or Starbucks or whatever it might be, take a break from that. God, we're so desperate for you to have you step in here and do something. I got three or four key things I think God has on my heart for our church right now. Come out this Thursday and hear about that. You can also pray this week and pray this Thursday. We have, I think, 50 or 60 kids, 70, 80 kids and leaders going to camp. They leave on Tuesday. Pray for the kids. Pray for the leaders. Um, No, seriously, this is the deal. They're going to do real work there with those kids. But where where the battle is often fought and won is how we call out and cry out to God. What prayer does is it's not, it's not the ground battle. It's not the infantry and the tanks and all that stuff. That's what they're doing there. Water skiing and tubing and then worship stuff and small groups and, and teaching and all those kind of things are going to happen there. That's the ground war. The air war is God send, send the holy angel bomber jets over there to bomb the snot out of the enemy. To literally bomb the hell out of the enemy so that the spirit can just work there. So pray this week for our kids and leaders as they go to camp that God would do some dramatic things. I know some of you, I know the things you're facing with your kids' lives right now, and I know you're freaking out right now. The best thing you can do is just let's go for it this week in prayer. But how to pray when? Not if. Not if you're confused or angry or freaking out or upset, but when you are. And it's going to start with first three big reminders that you need to put into your prayer first uh, to make sure we get it. First of all, remind yourself, number one, of how big God is. Look what they say here. Verse 24, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. They start with how big God is. A reminder of how big God is. See, when I pray and I'm freaking out and I got problems going on in my life, prayer, if you, if you just start with your problems, prayer will not create peace in your heart. It'll make it worse. Because here's what we do with prayer. Just let's say this is your problem right here. And you can put whatever that you want here in this right now. Your finances, your kids, your health, work situations, whatever it might be, and you're doing this, your problem, and you start talking to God about your problem, and my God, this is so terrible, and God, I just pray, I can't know what's happening here, and my, my daughter, and my son, my kids, my finances, my wife, my ex, what's going on here, and all you can see is this problem right here, <laughs> and you're just doing this, and the problem gets so big because you started with the problem. Look at me for a second. I know you can't, but look at me for a second. If you're facing, write this down, it won't be, it's not going to be a, a thing to fill in. If you're facing a big honking problem, start with a big honking God. Start with an amazing God. This is why Jesus said, in, uh, and he tells us how to pray, he says, start your prayers off, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the old King James Version. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for probably 
three quarters of my Christian life, I interpreted that as in order to get stuff out of God, you got to kiss up to him first. You, parents, you know what it's like, right? Your middle school, high school son or daughter comes to you and go, Dad, you're amazing. I just, you're so great. You go, what do you want? Right? Look at me for a second. God, ha- God needs no counseling. Doesn't need your approval. He's not worried about what you think about him. So he's not going, please worship me because I'm just... Those Israelites just made a mess out of my stuff, so I need some Christians to give me some therapy and worship me and all that. No, no. He's not, he's not saying that. He doesn't need that. Here's what happens when you pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You do this instead of looking at your problems and you do this. And do you see what they say here? Oh, Lord, sovereign creator of everything in heaven and on earth. The God that you have the privilege of coming and talking to personally several thousand or several million years ago, depending what your theories are on creation, evolution, and how God, whatever the thing may be, spoke the universe into existence in a week. Think what you accomplished this week. (laughs) Well, I got some pavers down on my patio and I built a, in a week, and look, he, there was nothing there, and not even, not even air was there yet. Not even this was there yet. He spoke it into existence, and don't miss this. He's given you the privilege to coming to him and talking to him, not as some voice of thousands and millions. How many billions? There's what, seven billion people on planet Earth right now, I think, something like that. Probably a third of us on planet Earth right now are Christians, according to the stats in the polls and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of people talking to God all at once. God says, when you talk to me, I'm not listening just to a crowd of voices that go, here. He said, I'm right here with you. The creator of the universe who spoke the universe into existence says, I'm listening to your problems right now. All of a sudden you go, huh. Instead of me freaking out in my prayers and, oh, what's going to happen here? Go, God's got this. So we start with, with worshiping God. So we start our services with praise and worship and, and, and all of that um, to get our attention off of our kids and our finances and our problems and just get our attention where it needs to be. Here's what we do, why we do what we do the way we do it here. You, you, sh- you show up here and your attention is 360. You're like thinking about everything going on around you. The, the, just so you know how we do this here. The first two songs are designed to get you from 360 like to 180, to get your attention right here. So you're not just all over the place here. What I do here for the, these few minutes is get you to right here. And then we do those songs at the end, not just to fill up time. And, and it's to get you to right here with the sovereign Lord, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, and to know that you get to praise and worship him and be in relationship, call out to him, cry out to him personally and passionately. So start with God. Start with how big God is. Number two, um, remind yourself of what the Bible says. Remind yourself of what the Bible says. And they quote, there's a song here. You'll see it there in your Bibles. It's in poetic form because these are songs that they sang. And this is actually one of the, the top verses. Psalm 2, this is from. One of the top verses quoted in the New Testament. Everybody knew this song. Everybody knew this song. So you got to remind yourself of what the Bible says. Now, look at me for a second. You can't remind yourself of something you don't know already. 
Let me put it this way. You can't withdraw money from the bank if there's no money in the bank. Some of you have gone there and gone, oops, right? You got to store some stuff up and you don't store it up once you're in the middle of the crisis. You store it up when it's just life's going good. And you get that stuff stored up in your mind. That's what we do these songs here. Songs are all based on scriptures to get the word of God just in your mind and heart and soul, tell you to read your Bible. We talked about it last week. Read your Bible purposely, expectantly, and passionately, not as some ritual and rules, because you're going to need it at some point. Remind yourself what the Bible says. And not Google, not your podcast, not your friends, not what your circumstances or feelings are telling you to do. Get to the book. And these, this psalm here, keep something here in the book of Acts. We're going to get back to it in a second. Go to Psalm 10. I want you to see this today. This is a song that all of them would have known. And they only quote like a little section of it, but everybody there, as they quote that, go, oh yeah, we know all the verses in the second chorus and the bridge thing they do. They, they know it all. They've got it all. Like, for example, right now, I see a little silhouette of a man. <laughs> Some of you going, do you do the Fandango, Thunderbolts and Lightning, very, very frightening. Yeah, you just got it in your head, right? You just know it, that crazy, weird, yeah, we just compared the Bible to Queen. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but I want you to see it, to see what was going on in their heads and their hearts, not just from quoting one little verse and chorus, but to see the whole thing. Psalm 2, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Remember I told you anointed one, Messiah, same exact word. Mashiach in the Hebrew language, anointed one, because they used to anoint kings with oil when they put them on the throne. Let's break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. And guys, it's not just the kings of the earth that do that. The kings of your home do this. Your children, your little baby children that look so beautiful and amazing are constantly going, don't tell me what to do. I want to do what I want. I'll decide what's right and wrong. I'll decide what I want to do when I want to do it. And we do this all the time. And he's giving a big, huge, massive thing about the Messiah and this king that's coming into the world. But we do this all at... The kings of the world do this, and we do this at the micro level as well, all the time, rebelling against God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. That's like the God going, you're so funny. You're so cute. Then in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem on my holy mountain. You know what he's talking about here? hundreds of years before Jesus shows up, this is a, a song they would sing and they're going to go, this is what happened with Jesus. He came, he was, the, he was enthroned on the holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you're my son, today I've become your father. That's the idea of the only begotten son of God is who Jesus is. He's fully God, he's born into our world, fully human being, son of God into our world. Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. He's going to say, you're going to rule over the whole world, which is why one of the early Christian songs found in Philippians 2 says, he is king of kings and lord of lords, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that someday. He's going to rule the whole joint someday. Now then, you kings. Now then, you students. Now then, you children, now then, you parents, 
Act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Earth, I love this verse here. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. People ask all the time, what's more important, to fear God or to love God? And the answer to that is yes. Look at me. You cannot, you cannot do either one without doing both and really do justice to the God of the Bible is. It's a whole separate talk, and we don't want to be here that long, so we'll keep going. Submit to God's royal son, or he'll become angry, and you'll be destroyed in the midst of all your activities. For his anger flares up in an instant, but here's the line, the big epic line of the song. What joy for all who take refuge in him. You know what he's saying here is, this is a God who you don't want to mess with, but what you want to love about this God is you want to be on that God's side, because you know what that means? That God can handle himself in a fight. That God can handle himself when you're freaking out and wondering what the, what is going on here? God's got this thing. And look at me for a second. Back when this all happened to, to Jesus' earliest followers, they were going, what the, what's going on here? When they see him crucified and put in a grave, like, it makes no sense. How could this be going on? We're, we're dragged into a courtroom. They remember, whoa, whoa. Even when all hell's breaking loose and it feels like nothing is going right, just, just, God's got this, and he can handle himself in a fight, even if it seems like all hell's breaking loose in your life. Remind yourself, first of all, of how big God is. Secondly, remind yourself of, of what God has said, what the Bible says. And let's get back to Acts now. Um, and look at verse 28. But everything they did to Jesus was determined beforehand according to your will. Now that verse right there, for some of you right now, are getting very nervous. Because this whole idea that everything's determined by God's will, like, what does that mean? And there's all kinds of doctrines about this. There's the doctrine of um, those of you that have gone to church for a while will recognize names like predestination and the foreknowledge of God versus the free will of man. The sovereignty of God versus the responsibility of human beings. Uh, and they even have uh, famous dudes back hundreds of years ago uh, that, that are the kind of the, the heads of both schools of thought. One of them is like Calvinism over here, sovereignty of God and predestination and foreknowledge of God. Over here they have a thing called Arminianism, um, more about the idea of responsibility and that our choices matter and that, all that. And, and so people get in debates about it all this time. And we can get in debates about it if you want, not today. Because today when they, when they say, God, everything's determined by your plan, they're not looking to have, there to have a theological debate about which one is it, sovereignty of God or responsibility of man. How can everything be in the foreknowledge of God? And if it's already not yet, it, <laughs> debates you can have in your small groups and talk about it and look about it all you want. They, they here are saying this to remind themselves of the third thing you got to be reminded of when you're freaking out and it seems like, what's going on here? Number three, God is never surprised. We are Think about when you get the diagnosis. Think about when your kids go south and you found the crazy, sketchy texts on their phone. Think about it when you got the, the notice from work, like, we're freaking out about stuff like this. God goes, yeah, I saw it coming. And it makes us go, but how come he didn't do anything to stop it? He goes, remind yourself how big God is. Remind him yourself of what the Bible says, that he can handle himself in a fight. And then he's not freaking out about this. God doesn't need therapy. He doesn't need um, a triple shot espresso in the morning. The Bible tells us he never even needs a nap. 
Never gets tired. Never, ever is surprised or freaking out. Now, don't miss this, though. God's not a robot. He's not just kind of going, well, I saw it happen, yada, yada, what, next. The Bible doesn't tell us very clearly. God has great emotions, both anger and judgment over here and joy and pleasure over here and the whole gamut. Him not freaking out doesn't mean he's emotionless. He's got real emotions and reactions to these things, but it never freaks him out. He's never surprised, which is good for us to know, okay, I'm freaking out, but God isn't. And then we get to talking to God about our prayer requests, the things that are bothering us. I'm not going to read the verses again, but you can go back and look at them right now. Do you see anywhere in here where they ask God for relief from their problems? I'll give you the quick answer. Nope. They don't ask God to solve this and to crush the, vindicate the power of God in these Pharisees' life and these evil people that are crushing us and to do all that. What they pray for. So well, here's what you do. There's a, up on the screens here. Look at it for a second. Where it says, and now God, give us. It's the next one. There it is. We get to a point of like, okay, God, when you come to God with your prayer requests, especially when all hell's breaking loose and you're frustrated, what goes in that blank for you? Just think about it. I'm not going to ask you to give your answers. And typically what happens when we come to church, I get a lot of church answers. Now, some of you actually do those church answer things. I'm not here to shame you or guilt you about any of that. But typically, oh, I know what the right answer is. You know, what do you really do? Again, what I pray for is relief. Make it go away. Vindication. I want to be proved right. That is, despite all the everybody judging me and condemning me, I want to be proved right. And then sometimes, if I'm really honest, I pray for punishment. There's, there's psalms called the imprecatory psalms, where I just, God, rain down your wrath and judgment on these fools. They don't do any of that here. And they would have every right to do it based on what's going on here. They don't do any of that. What they pray here, God, is if nothing changes. And I probably, they pray at some point, I hope some things change. But if nothing changes, they pray for two things. Or had you look at them, highlight them in your Bibles earlier. They pray, first of all, for boldness. I'm going to use the word courage today. Because courage is the fuel that you need not to make fear go away, but to step out in boldness in the midst of fear. In the midst of times when the circumstances don't make any sense right now. When I'm freaking out, when my kids are making me crazy, whatever it might be. And they say, God, give us boldness in preaching your word. And I want to tell you too, for them it's the idea of these, especially these lead apostles, like if we go back to the temple and say this, what's going to happen next? Maybe the way we preach the word sometimes is with our words and with our lives. With following Jesus, with our everyday obedience to him, and then with our words that back up the kind of life that we're living. And when there's opposition and mockery and threats and persecution, eesh, that can be very, very, very difficult. It's so easy then at that point to shrink back. And just go, it's not going the way it's supposed to. This is the prayer we go, God, in the midst of this situation. And think about the stuff going on in your head and your heart, even right now today. If nothing changes. One, I'm going to be tempted to just go, forget it. It's just not worth it. Give me the courage. It's what... One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, it's on your note sheet, we're not going to turn to it today, but Philippians chapter 
2, verses 13 and 14, it says, hey, obey God. Work out your salvation with, with reverent fear. And all. Do all, go for it with God. He says, because God is working in you. And don't miss this, guys, here. This is the promise you have from God today. You do this in your prayers, reminding yourself that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He doesn't just give you the desire and go, okay, you got to suck it up, buttercup, and figure it out yourself. No, no. It's, he'll give you the impulse and the power to follow through on the impulses to follow him and serve him and love him and, and obey him. They pray for courage. They also pray for power. And they don't pray for power just to overcome the problems. Again, we, they don't ever pray for that. They don't pray for power over their enemies. God, they, they pray for power. God, they, they specifically pray for miraculous signs and wonders. And the reason they're praying for that here is, God, how awesome would it be if you keep, keep through the power of Jesus giving us the ability to perform miracles publicly so that more and more people will go, dang, look at that. Look how amazing God is. I want to get in on some of that. What they're all about here is what is in the first line of the Lord's Prayer where he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know what hallowed be your name means? Is to, to translate it and contextualize it for our world here is God, make yourself look great. And, and use me to make you look great out here. We want you to look great. You, your name to be set apart and exalted. And he said, one of the ways it's going to happen is give us power to, to do these things. Display your power in our lives, in this gathering of people now that has, has begun to take root here in the, the Jewish community. More and more people amazed by Jesus. And then it says in verse 31, the meeting place shook. And that's our last heading today. Shake it up, baby. Shake it up. Let me just chat with you for a second here. One time. It doesn't happen every time, when they, even when they pray in the book of Acts, but one time, wouldn't you love it to be part of something where you're calling out to God and seeking God and worshiping God and all of a sudden, the place shakes? Yeah, some of you are not in California. I'm not sure what that would be. I, I get that. But just, and maybe not, maybe not the building shakes. Maybe, man, I just feel something shake in my soul and heart. And God shakes up something around me so dramatically. I go, dang, what just happened there? And you know why I think it happens here? This is not in the scripture. It's in the subtext. This is me purely speculating right now. So don't take this like this is what the Bible says here. This is me standing over here and giving you what I think might be going on here. I think God is hearing prayers of people, and I think he's probably going, okay, people come to me with problems and situations and want God to answer their prayer requests all the time. And here's some people going, God, if you change nothing, if this goes from bad to worse here, give us the courage and the power to make you look great. And I think God just goes, that's awesome, and shakes the place. Maybe if you want to see God shake some things up in your life, maybe we stop praying for relief and praying for God to be revealed. Boom. Maybe. And I, it, I'm telling you, it's not easy to pray that way when I, I get it. Pray for God to be revealed. The band's coming up. We're going to sing some songs about some stuff today. And here's the deal. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I have no idea. I don't know what's going on in your kids.
kids' lives, in your situations. I'm not going to go rehash all that right now today. What if? What if instead of lashing out, posting out, freaking out, we would come to God in prayer? And before we came to God in prayer and just went, oh, my problems, oh, my problems, oh, my problems, we went, Psh, look how amazing God is, and I get to talk to him personally today. What if I could go back to the scriptures and remind myself what the Bible actually says? Not what my circumstances say, and not what my friends say, and not what social media says about any of this nonsense. What does God say about it? And the God's never freaked out. I'm freaking out right now, but the God I'm coming to is not out there going, oh my God, what do I do now? Uh, let's, Gabriel um, whoa, mm, never freaks out. Never freaks out. And then we would pray instead of for relief, for God to be revealed with courage and power and just watch what God does. We're gonna give you a chance to sing some songs today, to seek God and cry out to God. Our prayer team is in the back of the house today. During this time, people will be getting up, moving around for a variety of reasons. If you have something going on in your head, in your heart right now today, go back and talk to them. They'd love to pray with you about that today. Don't just hold on to it for yourself. We, every week here at Crosspoint, for those of you that are newer, I'm just letting you know how we do things here. We have communion that's available in the four corners of the room. It's bread and juice, symbolizing the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that was broken and spilled out for us 2,000 years ago. And this wasn't really part of my notes or message or anything. This just came to me just last night when we were doing this that Jesus is in a situation where he's freaking out in the Garden of Gethsemane. And watch how he prays. If it's possible, God, make this go away, if it's possible. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. You know why he could pray that? Because he knew who his God was, he knew who his Father was. In the midst of freaking out over the cross and facing the wrath and judgment of God, he's a real being. So maybe that's how we deal with our prayers is, God, here's stuff going on, but not my will, your will be done. And watch what God does to shake up your world and watch what God, look what God did with that prayer to save the planet from sin. And billions of people today are following Jesus because Jesus didn't just pray for relief. He asked for God's purposes and God's plans to be revealed through him, whatever that meant. So Jesus, we come to you today. Hmm. Hmm. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.